From deep in the heart of Central Texas, it's the Best of the Outdoors podcast. Brought to you by Texas Fishing Game Magazine, the voice of the Texas Outdoor Nation. I'm your humble host, Dustin Von Warnke, back with another podcast for you. So excited that you've taken the opportunity to download our show, stream it online, however you are listening. Thank you so much for doing so. We love having you guys on board our little warship here if you want to call it that our um our starship uh, our enterprise our um our our podcasting v- vessel um we're just we're having a blast out here um and just i i just i love doing this show so much guys this is so therapeutic for me to be able to express myself creatively and create content like this that goes up on youtube and itunes and all over podcast nation um uh, outlets and stuff like that. And just the podcasting is just a great tool as far as finding people, um, they can listen on their own time, their own terms, uh, don't have to be tied to a, a, a terrestrial radio station, although there's nothing wrong with that. And, uh, I was just on Chester Moore's radio show, More Outdoors, um, which will air, I think the week that this podcast airs, which is the week that I'm recording this. I'm getting this the day before I'm sitting in and recording these bumpers. And, um, Really, I've got a great show lined up for you today. Jeff Stewart, Jeff Crypto Hulk Stewart, as he goes by on Facebook. Awesome guy. Great heart, conservation, youth, um, sportsman, avid, avid on a lot of different parts of being a sportsman, AR-15s, crossbows, scopes. I mean, you know, fishing, catfish, and white bass, and all that other stuff, man. We just, this show is just all over the place. So I normally do a hunting show and alternate that with a fishing show. This podcast, I'm getting out there, and we're kicking butt, and we're kind of covering everything. I was going to do a fishing show because I did a hunting show last episode, and I wanted to just kind of dive in and just have fun. And so Jeff and I could get on the phone and talk for two hours and, and not even realize the time has passed. I mean, that is how much buddies we are with this stuff and um i initially wanted to talk about fishing but then we got talking about hunting some of the products that i was reviewing some of the videos that he's watched that i've done uh his cookbook uh texas jack um and and just a a lot of different things going on there so i mean we're all over the place on the show but icast is coming up and uh, we're going to be all all over the place on those shows too and those are going to be fishing shows so i figure why not do an all outdoor show before we get to that coverage so anyway we're we're just having fun over here and i just love the podcasting medium love to have the chance to talk to you guys on your own terms, listening through your earbuds and that kind of intimate um, experience of you listening to me and, and the guests that I bring on the show uh, in your head, basically, you know, through your earbuds, through your over the phone, over the uh, over the phone, over the ear uh, headphones, or in your car, or while you're working out, or while you're at the gym, or while you're walking your dog, or whatever. Um, you know, thanks for taking us along with us, and thank you guys again so much for telling a friend. Thank you so much for your five star ratings on iTunes. Thank you so much as well for um, visiting our website, fishgame.com, subscribing to our newsletters. I'll talk more about that later in the show. And, um, you know, thank you guys just for being there and listening, man. It just it means the world to me. This show is just a dream come true for me. It's been one of my dreams that I've had to bring it over to Texas Fishing Game in 2016 after I started it in 2015, which has been four years ago now. Uh, and then three years ago for bringing it to Texas Fishing Game has just been a dream come true. We do one of these shows every two weeks. If you've never heard the show before, um, we just have a blast on here. So uh, stay tuned. We'll listen to a few episodes, kind of get the get the feel of things around here. And 
you'll see I'm just a wild and crazy man. I do a lot of crazy things in the outdoors. I'm not some kind of an exhibitionist to show off or anything like that. I just, I love to create and the podcasting medium is something I really enjoy. And, uh, to just have you guys along to listen to this stuff is just, is incredible. So a couple of housekeeping things first, um, in the show notes, which you can find on Facebook, in the description on YouTube, you can find these uh, at fishgame.com in the post. Uh, they'll be in different places, but everywhere you hear this podcast, you should be hearing, you should be having to access, be able to access some show notes. I have a picture of Jeff Stewart. Uh, if it comes through on the podcasting app that you're listening to this on, have his links to Facebook, have his links to Alpha Dog Blades, his knife company, products I've reviewed. And the first thing we're going to talk about today uh, is a product I've reviewed called the. Uh, it's an SD card reader. I can't really pronounce the company name that well as I can with a lot. Of, can't with a lot of these overseas companies, but it's a Trailcam SLR camera reader it's an sd card reader that basically you can read a micro or a uh, standard size usb um uh not usb it's getting late here if you what you can uh, plug in a um a standard sd card or a mini sd card or micro sd card uh and plug that into your phone android or iphone and uh or into your computer and it reads it it's really really a slick uh, piece of technology so i put the link to that in the show notes is where i was going with that also talked on this podcast about the bog deck death grip the bog field pod max tripod the bog field pod magnum tripod and then texas jack's famous venison recipe cookbook that jeff wrote uh co-authored uh some other books with uh gentleman that he does uh does some cooking stuff with and some other things and i just love jeff stewart guys all right and i, I just so what i'm trying to say is go check out the show notes that'll have all the links to all that in there you can buy some of this stuff you can check it out online any of that stuff um and then uh you know jeff and i talk all over the place about a lot of different cool stuff so i don't want to we got we went really long on this show so i don't want to spend too much time blabbering on about this before we get into the podcast but um, I wanted to definitely make sure that you uh, knew to check out the show notes for those links. I also have links at fishgame.com of newsletters that were in the newsletters this last couple of weeks, as well as this coming up week that you're going to be getting this podcast on Thursday. Um, you're going to see that I've got some, I've got an article that went live last week when you're listening to this on a loaded for boar, which is about hog hunting with, uh, calibers for, uh, for wild hogs that I trust and love in uh, the industry. Uh, I've got four or five different ammunition brands and kind of their bore solution uh, round and that kind of stuff. Also have a lot of different things, uh, product reviews, uh, online gear rundown. I did a couple of years, a couple of years. It's getting late here. Sorry. A couple of weeks ago um, on uh, fishgame.com and you can check out the new product review or the product rundown uh roundup i think is what i call it the the online product roundup is this stuff i've been buying from amazon and testing out and uh doing some reviews on so anyway hopefully you find all that of good value to you here is my interview with mr jeff stewart we'll see you after the interview is done back with some more information and uh here we go joining me on the phone mr jeff stewart jeff crypto hulk stewart such a pleasure to have you back on the best of the outdoors podcast welcome again sir Thank you, Dustin. It's always a pleasure to come on and shoot the breeze with you. 
do our social graces, you know, and be all professional and everything. And then we get wild and crazy on this show is what we typically do on these interviews. That's so, <laughs> you know, exactly. Hey, before we get started, I've got a new product I want to plug. Um, this is a friend of mine that is overseas that just started this company. And I don't know if he branded this product or what, but it's a, it's a, it's basically a, SD card reader and a micro SD card reader that has a USB, iPhone, and Android plug. And it's like a little tripod that you basically, you know, you have the, the top part of it's a USB. The other other side is, is half um, iPhone and half Android. And you basically download the app on your phone, plug this into your phone, insert your SD card, and you're in business. You can save the well, photos gotta, to your phone. I got to get me one of them, man. And, and it, that sounds awesome. And it comes with it comes with a dang um, SD card with it too. I'm going to also recommend that he does uh, two SD cards that are class ten, and then maybe up the price a little bit because it's like twenty bucks, so maybe twenty one dollars for this thing. For for your fishing photos that you take with your external camera, not with your cell phone, and for your hunting game cam photos, which is really what this was designed for, to be able to see all that on your phone is so cool. So anyway, well, I'm gonna tell you, you know, one of the things that I have, you know. I guess I've been part of the evolution of this process. Started out game cameras whenever they were basically you took your 35 millimeter camera and put it in a housing. Yes. And then you had to take your, your film to a developer, uh, you know, one of the chain stores or, or a 24 uh, one hour photo rather or something like that to, you know, the next ones that came along, uh, you actually had to plug your computer or whatever, take the camera home, plug it into your computer yep. and download. Then we had the regular SD cards uh, that would go in them and you had to take the card out, bring it back, put it in your computer. Then we had the, uh, the little card readers that came out that were a, a, uh, had a little screen, little four inch screen yep. or something like that on it. And you're, you're dra either dragging the computer with you in your backpack, dragging a, a uh, card reader uh, like that has a screen on it in your backpack, mm -hmm. but everybody's already got a cell phone in their pocket. Yep. If you can use your cell phone for the card reader, all you have to do is take that little piece in your pocket. I mean, you can go get your card out of your camera, put a fresh card in, go climb in the deer stand and sit there and scroll through pictures while yep. you're hunting. Yep. And it fits in your pocket. That's the cool thing. It fits in the palm of my hand and um it's got a slot on the on the middle of it now for a standard SD card and right below it a micro SD card. And uh it's just it's it's slick. I mean, I've never seen anything this cool. I mean, I've I've always wanted something like this, but it's one of those things where you're like do I really want to spend the money or can I just haul my laptop along or haul my other camera along or whatever? But this is just so inexpensive. It's a no brainer. So I'll put a link in the description of this show in the show notes and I'll put a picture of it so you can see what I'm talking about. I'm trying to help a friend of mine, um, that developed this and uh, basically just trying to push it out there. And obviously if you support the Amazon link, that'll help the show along and everything. But, um, it's, it's just something that's cool. I thought it was just neat. So I'm just kind of a nerd that way. And I think you think it's neat too. So there you go. We're both nerds. I, I really do. I, I'm going to get my hands on one. That's yeah. how neat I think it is. Yeah, I'll send you. I'll send you a picture of it after after we get done recording. But so basically, it's summertime. Uh, I just got done. I talked about this in the last podcast when we talked about hog hunting. I just got done with a um, 
fishing trip with my son out on Lake Belton. Uh, we didn't really slay the white bass and the hybrids, but we at least got out there and gave it a good old college try. It was like 108 degrees uh, heat index, and uh, it, it just really no breeze. So it really wasn't a pleasant fishing trip out of the, all the fishing trips I've been on, but we at least gave it our college try, and I think we caught seven fish, uh, five, uh, so let's see, uh, six whites that we were able to keep, and one Gaspergoo uh, that I filleted. And I uh, used my Bubba Blade, had a lot of fun doing that, and I uh, used my fillet table that I use for Crosswater Outfitters, the fillet maker board, which I highly recommend for cleaning fish along with the Bubba Blade. And, man, I'm just having fun, just trying to stay cold, you know, cool in this heat, but also just try to have some fun fishing. What have you been up to? Now, are you going to you gonna use that uh, goo for uh, cut bait? or No, or I'm going to eat it. With? You can eat Gasper goo. They're just—they just got so many of those little pin bones in them um, that they're—they're they're not a bad tasting fish, and and it's kind of an art to uh, cleaning them. Yes, I learned um, that. Obviously, <laughs> if you went to the trouble of cleaning it, you've done it enough to know how. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, I've never had a problem with the way they tasted. It's just they're labor intensive yeah, they to clean them and get all those little pin bones. It's kind of like in salt water, cleaning at hardhead. It's got to be the hardest fish I've ever cleaned in my life as far as a small fish. Now, I haven't cleaned a lot of them. They, they'll dull a knife like a hog will dull, will dull a, a sharp knife. But, um, you know, I've had many guys on the show talk about that they're decent to eat uh, if you just put up with the with the, the stickers and, keep you know, keep the, keep the fins away from your, you know. But the funny thing is I'm in Louisiana, n- near your part of the world, basically, we were going to bring in a ga- uh, gaff top catfish, you know, saltwater catfish. And I wanted to keep it and clean it because we do that in uh, when I go to the Texas coast. Louisiana coast guys right. were laughing at me. They And I finally well, dawned on me. They, yeah, they finally dawned on me. They have too many trout and redfish to eat where they don't need to eat gas, uh, gaff top, <laughs> I guess. You know, but, but here's the thing. You know, you're talking about the, you know, how they dull a knife or whatever. If you get you a knife from Alpha Dog Blades. Yep. A custom-made knife. Shameless I plug. promise you, they won't dull it. <laughs> I love Alpha Dog. I love that you can plug your own stuff, and that you, you you're a blade maker, and I love it. I just I love the fact I've seen some of your knives; they're beautiful. I follow your Facebook page, and uh, this is this is just some cool stuff for sure. So the good but, good. You know, I'm glad you were able to work that out. Of it, you know, we're talking about the the you know, I, I'm really good friends uh, with. Uh, Phil Broussard, Cajun Phil, and yeah. uh, Kevin Broussard. Uh, Phil Broussard is a uh, idol of mine. Grew up uh, idolizing him, watching him hunt and fish uh, forever. And one day, uh, before I was ever even writing for Texas Fishing Game or doing anything really in the outdoor industry, other than uh, you know testing a few products, being on a couple of pro staffs. Um, Chester Moore, our editor in chief, one day knew that how much I idolized uh, Phil Broussard, and he said, "Do you want to you want to meet him?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, <laughs> does, yep. "Does a fish want water?" And uh, <laughs> he said, "Well, uh, here's his phone number." And uh, I called Phil and had about a two and a half hour conversation the first time I called him. And, you know, have had many, many more hour and plus conversations with him, been invited to come go fishing with he and uh, Kevin many times and just have, I have not made it down there to fish with them and I've got to, wow. but that's what, you know, they're like, 
we've got so many redfish and so many trout that they, they don't fool with any of the lesser tasty species, even if those lesser tasty species are just a hair below. They're right. like, why would I eat one of these fish when I've got a ton of these? I think I finally figured out the Louisiana culture in mind. And we've got a couple of listeners that live in Louisiana and fish both Texas and Louisiana. I know we have a bunch of Texas listeners that fish Louisiana and uh, the lakes and stuff over there and the river systems or the, you know, the, I, I fished the marsh in Louisiana several times now. And, um, you know, that's a lot of fun. And the redfish capital is kind of Venice. I've been down there a couple of times and had a lot of fun doing that. But I mean, you know, this neck of the woods is, as far as the Texas, Louisiana areas, the Southeast Texas to, uh, to Western Louisiana, and then even to Southeastern Louisiana is just amazing when it comes to, uh, what you can catch. Oh, yes, definitely. You know, and here where, where I'm at, you know, of course we don't have any, I'm far enough up the Sabine that we don't have any brackish water or anything. Right. I'm on the, uh, North side of the dam. So there's not even any chance of brackish water. Um, right. So, you know, we're sticking with, uh, you know, blue cats, channel cats, flatheads, or opelousas, as we call them, uh, you know, crappie. And, and during the, the spring of the year, we have our huge uh, white bass or sand bass run. Um, and the thing that's getting me right now is we've had so much fresh water. Yeah, because of, the, what, so because of the, rain. the rain, right? That's what I mean, yeah. That the water temperature is way cooler. Even though it's 112 degrees outside, the water temperature itself is, I would venture to say, a good 8 to 10, maybe more degrees cooler than it usually is this year. And we're a good 12 or 14 feet up the bank uh, higher then we are usually by, by July, the river Savine River is down to a trickle coming through, right? And the river has went from being 150 yards wide to being 50 feet wide mm-hmm. in place. You can walk across it in, in a lot of places and not get over knee deep. Mm-hmm. Um, then some places you know are really really deep holes, but this year. The river is still at, at, at like flood stage. It's just barely inside the, the banks where it's not flooded. And there are still uh, like McFadden Park here close to where I'm at um, is still flooded to where you can't drive and launch your boat because the park is underwater. Oh, goodness. Wow. Well, and that but was the, the case at you're dang near jumping in your boat. No, that's <laughs> awesome. That's the case at uh, Belton Lake too, where I was at uh, a couple of weeks ago with my son and my father-in-law. Uh, the Temple Lake Park, which is one of the areas a lot of us launch out of, um, we were going to meet there, and then we ended up meeting at Arrowhead Point, which is another uh, boat ramp, and basically. We got in there, and the Temple Lake Park had just reopened because it was underwater so bad. The playground and everything was underwater because of all the rain. So I I definitely feel what you're saying there. Absolutely. You know, the the, one of the things as far as fishing goes, this has really put uh, catfishing on a premium because with the water like this, those those catfish are able – to come up the river and to stay up the river where a lot of times by this time of the year, they've recessed into just into the deep holes. Most of your fish have went back toward the lake. Um, They're not really coming upstream like they are during the spring of the year when the water is, is high. 
since it stayed high, you're able to get in those shallow grass uh, flats and right along the, the tree line in the edge in four to six foot of water, and you're still able to catch those two and four pound blue cats and a few of your two plus pound channel cats just on uh, earthworms and, and uh, things like that. It's a little swift for doe baits, but your earthworms, uh, catawba worms, um, you know, shrimp, crawfish, if you can get your hands on them, uh, are, are going to produce just limits of catfish right now. Great. That's good to know. And I always like to keep in mind, you know, the basics of catfishing is relatively simple. You don't have to have expensive gear to get out there and get it done. You don't have to have a really expensive boat. Um, it's just the simplicity of it. It's just, it's the same reason. One of the reasons why I go bluegill fishing with my son just off the bank in the shores of our little parks and stuff here in the Leander area in the Cedar Park area is uh, just to catch brim so, or bluegill, whatever you want to call them, uh, panfish so we can go catfish with them and use them for cut bait. <laughs> And one Absolutely. of the one of the fishing uh, expeditions I was on with my father-in-law back in February, one of the guys Ricky on the boat that I was on, he he called it shank bait. <laughs> That's what he called my, my so kind of like prison bait, I guess <laughs> shank bait. You know, he's like shank bait. You know, it was just funny. It was just his uh, his. So he said, "Get on some of that shank bait," and man, did we catch the fish on that trip. But you know, it's just one of those things where uh, you know a lot of times a lot of other fishing that you might do for non-game species fish like bluegill and stuff like that can help you. You throw those in the freezer when you get home whole and you got cut bait for your next catfish trip. And, you know, another uh, good thing about this water being so high right now is for bow fishing. Yes, you know, I was going to say that too. I'm a yep. uh, very uh, enthusiastic bow fisherman. I have been doing it, oh Lord, since I was probably 12 or 13 years old, I was introduced to, to bow fishing. And uh, with this water up, it's it's got those grasses flooded, those uh, gar alligator and uh, long nose gar and stuff. Uh, even the spotted gar are, are still up in the grassy flats, up in the shallows. And you know, a lot of people can shun a gar if they want to, but that's some of the finest eating you can get is an alligator gar. I'm glad you said they're, that. They're tricky to skin, to clean. Yep. Um, I use a use an old survival knife that's totally made out of metal and uh, drive it right down at the base of the skull about two inches deep and then take the hammer and hit the back of the blade and go mm -hmm. all the way down to his tail and then just peel it open. There's two back straps that go down each side, just like a deer. You get those out, slice them into about one inch thick medallions. Uh -huh. You mix you up a little flour, uh -huh. a little, a little, uh, dark, lager beer mm -hmm. some cajun seasoning and add a little extra red pepper into it and a little garlic little onion put that in there make a nice little batter uh put the gar in there soak it around for a few minutes take it out deep fry it for about six minutes seven minutes and that's some of the finest eating you can get it's 10 30 at nine i'm starving to death now thanks a lot jeff <laughs> I, and that, I'm glad you say it because everybody that listens to the show has got to be tired of me saying that I eat alligator gar now. And the funny thing is, my little fishing ministry, Crosswater Outfitters, where we, you know, serve Christ through serving the soldiers and serve Christ through serving the international students and that kind of stuff, they always save gar for me. 
And because they know I don't necessarily like to clean them, but I like to show people that they can be clean. And we eat every dang one that we end up cleaning at these events that we do twice a year on Lake Belton. And Belton is full of gar. In fact, Marty McIntyre's killed more gar and carp and buffalo and everything out of those lakes than anybody I've ever met. That in Stillhouse Hollow. And they're still, they're just numerous. I mean, they're everywhere. And uh, they just reproduce like kittens. So, um, but I mean, the deep frying or making gar balls, which is kind of a Cajun thing, right? Um, oh, yeah. You know, or I'll whatever. But, you know, just, just, or, or boiling them with some crab boil or whatever and doing, doing stuff like that. But, I mean, it's just an incredible, yeah, but a lot of people believe you can't eat them. And I just, it just kills me because I'm just like, they're a delicious fish not to waste. If they're really small, well, I, I understand not messing with them, but if they get bigger, I mean, four or five foot long nose gar, shoot, stick that thing in the frying pan. I remember, you know, when I was growing up, it was, oh, gar's a trash fish. And gar, everybody had this misconception that gar ate dead stuff. Right. And they only and, ate live stuff like crappie, right? Right. Look, I have boat fishing. <laughs> uh, my biggest gar was 196 pounds. Golly. And uh, whenever awesome. we cut him or uh, her open, she had a five pound largemouth bass <laughs> and two crappie that went about a pound and a half each in her belly. In the belly. You can just see, I can just see you open it up that there's a five pound <laughs> bass. That's hilarious. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, and everybody thought I was nuts because the guys that I boat fished with, uh, they did not eat gar. And right. I told them, I'm going to show y'all how to clean a gar. And on this particular gar, I actually used a skill saw, set the blade at about a quarter inch depth, yep. and ripped the gar down the middle of the back with a skill saw, and then peeled both sides open and took those two back straps out. And these two back straps, I mean, they were as big as the biggest hog you've ever seen the, the back straps off of one of them. Oh, I'm sure I've and seen back straps that big. I yeah, absolutely. Bad boys into about two inch thick steaks and put them on the grill over some apple wood. And I basted them with some spicy oh. brown mustard while yes. they, a little, a little honey and spicy brown mustard mixed together, basted them with that while they were cooking. Then right before they were done, I dusted them with a little bit of slap your mama seasoning. <laughs> and uh, those those boys ate them, and, and they were like, if we had ever known that they were like this, we would not have been doing away with our gar. <laughs> They're a little bit of a pain in the butt to clean. Like Marty, my bow, resident bow fishing guide here in, in Central Texas, uses... Um, uses a recip saw. I use either a machete or a, or a tin snips to get down the spine. And it's a little bit taxing on your hands if you clean a couple of them like yeah. that. But, hey, uh, you, you know. Like I said, use, get you one of those. You can get them at uh, different stores. Harbor Freight has them yeah. for 10 bucks. It's a, it's a survival knife-looking, Rambo-looking knife. Yeah. And it's all metal. The handle on it is solid metal. Cool. You take that sap sucker and just take you a, a, a hammer, probably a four-pound hammer, you it drive is. it down about two, three inches deep down yeah. at the base of the neck and right behind the skull. Then take the hammer and hit the back of the blade, hold the top of the blade with the, the handle with your hand yeah. and just tap it down the middle of his back. And within, you know, 30 seconds, you're from head to tail. Then you do the same thing down each side behind the, the uh, gill plate sure. and just take your both hands and pull and have somebody do a little cut, cut. And next thing you know, you've got him hauled out. 
because they're not hard to fillet out once you get into that mm-hmm. into that meat. You know, I mean, I, I've definitely I didn't think we'd be talking about gar on a fishing episode like this. You know, <laughs> or only knows what we talk about. You know, this is really good stuff that a lot of people just don't know. And I mean, I think the more I try to do this show, the more I four years going now educate people as far as you know these aren't trash fish agar especially are native no. game species and not really a game species but native non-game species they're native species and they've been around as long as the good dinosaurs have you know they were around one of the river systems before they were lakes you know and um well, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and you know what but a lot another thing a lot of people don't realize don't know is one of the reasons gar are so prolific in their reproduction is that gar eggs are toxic yeah, I know they're toxic to humans. I didn't think about them being toxic to other fish. They're toxic to birds. They're toxic. Uh, they're toxic to to a lot of things. Interesting. That's and why they're I, so know, prolific. That things. makes you sense. always wondered. You come along and you see a bunch of bunch of eggs there, and oh, those are frog eggs or whatever. And then I learned, you know, those big blob of black eggs are gar eggs. Yeah, they're they're black i mean they're dark black yeah and they're like, real well, dark man any any bird or any any uh animal come up here and just have a field day with these eggs but they don't because well, why they're don't bad. they <laughs> yeah. they're, they're bad for you yeah everybody knows not to eat those yeah i mean i don't think they'll kill uh you know uh, otter or, or uh, raccoon maybe or something but i'm sure they probably give it a stomach ache it wouldn't oh probably yet. so yeah i imagine so <laughs> But you're right. This is a great time of year for bow fishing. Marty's guiding trips right now with GarQuest, and then there's a bunch of other bow fishing guides. They're just bow fishing guides, you know, up all over the place. You know, that are doing day trips. A typical four hour night trip from like 8 p.m. to, to midnight. It's a great guide trip for the family. You know, with anybody that you hire. Um, and then and then a great fit. You know, rod and reel fishing trip like I, like I just did with my son and my father in law. The guy I was with Larry Thompson's not a fishing guy, but he's good enough to be one. And it's just one of those things where it's just getting out there in the outdoors and enjoying life and getting the kids involved. And I mean, there's just so many great things to do in the outdoors right now. Exactly. There's never been a better time ever in the Texas outdoors than we have right now. I know it's tragic. We've had a lot of floods. We've had a lot of damage from floods. And we we constantly focus on the, 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 downside of it with the tragedy and everything else but if we turn around and, and try to look at the positive a little bit with the this water water is life to the outdoors right and we've opened up uh flooded water flooded timber and things like that to fish to go in there and feed off of some of the uh, uh worms and different things insects different things but we've also allowed for some of this silt and some of this stuff to go into those flooded areas. And so when those waters recede, that silt is going to be fertilizer and going to help things. Yeah. And we've got fish where there haven't been fish before. And we've got wildlife. We've got ducks. We've got otters. We've got beavers. We've got just a, just all manner of life. And it's also pushed those hogs out of those river bottoms <laughs> up into a little bit higher land and a higher country and kind of concentrated them right. and made them a little bit easier for us to get out there and uh, get a crosshair behind the ear and or run them in our traps or whatever. So it's kind of helping us with some of the, some of the hog problem to, yep. to actually, you know, concentrate them in, in more of a small area so we can get to them. So it's just, you know, one of the it's the time of year that uh, if we look at the positive aspect of it, um, 
it, it's a wonderful time right now in, in the state of Texas for the, an outdoorsman or woman. Yeah, there are a lot of great, great opportunities there because of that. And we had just talked about hogs and everything on the last episode about uh, with Mike Wenzel, the the Wild Hog Podcast host. And, you know, there's some really good, good things. Chester Moore just had me on his radio show, and that should be coming out, I believe, the same week that this show airs. And I'll, I'll confirm that, uh, put that in the show notes if I have a link to it by then or not. Um, but basically, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a good thing to have those hogs in a more concentrated area because you have more opportunities. And I just finished reviewing, and this just went live on our newsletter this week, which is the week before this releases, um, a bog field pod max tripod. Okay. It's a cell is a fully supported tripod. And basically it shoots, uh, you know, you put your crossbow rifle, anything like that on it, any kind of long gun or, or, or crossbow on it. And, you know, think about that for hog hunting. You know, I mean. <laughs> I want one of those so bad because, I, you know, I, I do a, a lot of hog hunting and a lot of varmint hunting. Right. And a lot of my varmint hunting is uh, a lot of walking, a lot of uh, stalking, a lot of moving with my call and stuff from location to location and there's a lot of times whenever i get set up on the corner of a field and the out those 200 yard shots aren't that big of a deal i can make those from resting on a knee or something but then you get those coyotes or bobcat or whatever that will come out or even hogs that will come out at that 300 plus yard mark and if you had that pod that like you you reviewed that bog pod i could be making those 300 plus yard shots now, granted, I have shooting sticks. I love my shooting sticks. Don't get me wrong, but that thing—I mean, it was like having your own shooting bench, portable shooting bench. Yep, yep, yep. That's what this thing. Caldwell is is owned by the same company that owns Bog, and it's it's the same company that owns Smith and Wesson. Long story there, but it's uh, American Outdoor Brands, and they basically—it's very similar to the 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 Caldwell uh, Dead Sled, I think is what they call it, or whatever. Anyway, it's a uh, it's a similar product to that as far as the engineering, but man, this, the innovations, and I guess we'll talk hunting and fishing both in the show. I'm just kind of letting this run loose because, because man, when you and I get started on something, we are so like-minded about stuff, you know, and love the same stuff. This is just too much fun, but we're um, liable to go anywhere. We're liable to talk about astronauts and outer space. It's, I mean, Bigfoot, I mean the whole nine yards because of all your, your, yeah. your research and everything. So uh, there, there's just a lot of different, but you know, I've got two, uh, of these bog pods and then I've got something called the death grip and the death grip basically is a, a vice that kind of holds on to your weapon, to your pistol, rifle, you know, crossbow, whatever the case may be, typically for long guns, balances it and then basically allows you to shoot. It's fully supported. It doesn't have a front and a rear. Yeah, that's even a cooler than I think that the, the front and rear supported ones. I think I'm going to send one to one of the, uh, the, these bog pod rests to you and one to Chester and, uh, have you guys play with them because I've had a lot of fun. I just did some videos. You saw one of my videos. You just commented on it. Oh yeah. Yeah. That I, was I one saw of them, uh, so. two different ones. Yeah. 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 I put both of them live. Yeah. One's the Magnum and, and one's the, uh, the max. So for what yeah. it's worth. So yeah, that, and then the death grips. I, the I other try one. not to miss those videos, man, because you know, those are products that, you know, I'm an, I'm getting up in age, you know. Yeah, uh, I'm, I am too. I'm not, I'm not an old man. Don't get me wrong. I'm 47, right. but I'm 40. You know, football and things like that have taken their toll on my knees and my back and everything. Any product that can make it easier on me and make it not necessarily to where I don't have to put any effort, but 
can help me make that ethical shot. Right. Can help me to where I don't have to trail a wounded animal. So that's all in shot placement. And yep. if you've got a pod, if you've got that thing and you can, can get a bench rest, just, just, I mean, I'm not going to say it's as steady as a bench rest, but it's so close. It's close. Yeah. So I'd if say you can get that bench rest accuracy out of your rifle and make that ethical, perfect shot. Why wouldn't you do it? Right. Right. No, I agree. And it's just kind I mean, of like talking yeah. that these things cost, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars. You know, they're affordable. Right. They're they're you know, hundred to two hundred dollars in some cases. Yeah, but that's maybe, what I'm saying. It's not like this is a six seven hundred dollar item. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, this this is you know, I, like I said, I haven't looked looked yet, but I, I would imagine you know it's probably two hundred down or something for this. Yeah. Yeah. This, something like uh, that for the magnum in that know, area. But I, yeah. So I, just... I mean, my goodness, I've got. When I go out in the woods, I mean, I, I've probably just in my rifle alone, you know, got uh, over two thousand dollars sure. in rifle and scope. So a couple of hundred dollars to uh, ensure that uh, per, that once in a lifetime shot, maybe. You know, this yeah. last year I took a uh, twenty-two inch wide thirteen point uh, double drop time buck, mm. and I, luckily I was in uh, a box blind when I made the shot. But had I been in a ladder stand or had I been sitting on the ground or something somewhere in that area, uh, who knows if I would have made that shot being so nervous because, I mean, this this black horns, uh, I mean, everything you wanted in mm. the best buck of your lifetime. Uh, does something like that, that, that bog pod would make the, make that difference in that shot of that deer hitting the ground or your, teenager your your nine-year-old ten-year-old kid that you're just getting out in the woods and gonna let them take their first deer or doe or young buck or something like that and if you can put them on something that's going to make their shot steady yes so that they don't get frustrated they don't get nervous they don't miss or shank that shot yep. you know I, i've seen so many broken-hearted uh, kids that blew the the back leg off of a doe or something because they were just so nervous and shaking so hard at that right at that shot and a good rest would have would have solved it all yep that's solid and that's what i really you know looked at it for when i first got these from uh from my guy over in uh american outdoor brands he was like let me just send you three and you, you can evaluate it. and we have some new stuff coming that we'll send you and i'm like that's cool and i didn't think much of it because to tell you the truth jeff and i've said this on a video many times before on my youtube channel I'm not a fan of tripods. I, they get in the way. And I, I finally this year broke down and got a standing tripod shooting sticks for, uh, for, you know, for, for standing hunting, you know, where I've got a running gun and, uh, and I'm doing spot and stalk hunting. Okay. And so I was like, it's kind of cool. I mean, they had the, the camo legged devil and then the, the, the uh, CLD and then the, uh, the, the red legged devil, which are the two different types of bog pods. And those have been on the market for years, mm -hmm. but basically, you know, I got to, to kind of uh, BS with the guy from, uh, from, uh, from bog and uh, at the shot show this year. And he said, man, he said, I'll send you these. And I fell in love the minute I sat down and, and you can stand up with these things too. But I mean, the minute I sat down to shoot, cause I love to sit down and shoot my crossbow on my back backyard i'm like this feels like home you know i mean this feels like i don't have to worry about shooter. yeah i know you got a son you get that young shooter out there sitting in a chair 
yep. resting on that bog pod, shooting in the backyard for hours upon hours. They don't get tired. Yep. They don't want to quit. They don't want to go in the house because they're they're tired of standing and doing things. That kid's going to shoot. They're going to practice. They're going to get more comfortable with with like a crossbow. Um, and even out, if you live in a place where you can shoot your rifles, you know, you get that kid out there with a, uh, rim fire and um, yeah. build their confidence before you move them to that center fire rifle before deer season gets here. And the next thing you know, you've got a, a, an experienced shooter that, you know, too many times in the outdoors and hunting and everything. I've run into this so many times in my gunsmithing and sighting in guns for people. And I've written a few articles about it. Uh, you run into people that don't fire that gun except during deer season. Right. And then they come to you and they're, my gun's off, my scope's off. I shot at this deer and I didn't hit it. Well, you shoot their gun and it's dead on. And you come to realize, well, how many times a year do you shoot this gun? Well, I shoot it once or twice. I got the same box of bullets I bought in 1987. <laughs> I've heard that story. You know, they shoot it once yeah. a year. <laughs> right. Yeah, my dad's one of those guys. And I, I'm guilty. I've been guilty of it before. I mean, you know, it's one of those things where I, I, I don't really reload or do anything or hand load or anything like that because I don't shoot that much. But at the same time, I'll get out with an air gun and a crossbow and I will practice the fundamentals religiously. You know, and exactly. I, that's what because because I've read Steve Lamasca's column or article. I forget what it was years and years ago uh, for NR magazine that talked about what are you doing during the off season to prepare for that moment of truth? Exactly. You know, I'm a very I, I shoot a lot, uh, but I don't shoot as much as I want to. But there are times, you know, I've, I've bought those snap caps that go yep. in your gun so you're not dry firing. And there's a lot of times when I can't get out and uh, actually shoot mm -hmm. that I will take those snap caps and I will chamber them in my rifle and I will sit there and pick out a target in my pasture or, or you know, somewhere, you know, that's safe. I mean, even though it's an unloaded gun, I mean, we treat them like they're loaded. Um, and, and I'll just go through the motions of loading that round and, seeing the animal, taking the gun off of safety, squeezing the trigger, breathing, practicing the breathing discipline, and making the shot, then doing the bolt, uh, ejecting the round, putting the gun back on safety, the whole, you know, I will practice that. And people may think that's weird, but, you know, in 40-some-odd years, probably I started hunting by myself at about age seven, uh, yep. squirrel hunting. Uh, with a old 410 shotgun, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I have not, uh, I haven't shot anyone. <laughs> I haven't, uh, you know, had those really horrible mishaps or things because I practice the safety. I practice yeah. over and over in my mind what I'm doing. So many times I'll see, uh, on hunting shows and things, they'll shoot a deer. They get so excited and they're like flailing around with the rifle, <laughs> the barrel of the rifle, or they've, yeah. they've, uh, taken a picture of a deer and they lay that gun down with the barrel pointed, pointed right, at their, right at their face exactly or yeah, like their that. Stomach, and i yeah. cringe and i'm sitting there going oh my goodness <laughs> well, over the past 40 some odd years i've practiced not doing those right things. right right the common sense yeah the common sense and if you've got that pod and you're able to get out there in the yard with your child with even if it's not your child if, even if it's a neighbor's child hey get, if you don't have kids see if the neighbor's kid wants to go out there and shoot crossbows with you you know, something, 
you know, get those kids out there. If their parents don't mind, you know, get those kids out there and practice with them and let them practice. And, and you'll be happier for it. They'll be happier for it. We'll all be safer for it. And we're helping promote and keep hunting alive. Which is so important. I mean, there's some guys on YouTube that have the hashtag, you know, make hunting great again. I forget what, what group it is on. And, uh, I watch them go live every once in a while. And they're basically trying to foster the same ideas, of you know let's let's keep the sport going let's keep the kids going into it and everything like that but it's kind of like you know to shift gears back to fishing you know it's kind of like it's kind of like me learning how to slab for white bass you know i mean feeling for the for the bite on the fall of that slab is probably one of the most exciting things and to do it in a social environment of a fishing trip when you're with other people i don't know if many things touch that you know, and that's one type of fishing for white bass that I really haven't done a lot of. Really, I really haven't done it. You a topwater um, guy, or what do you think? What do you, what do you typically do? We we around here we throw uh, a road runner. Okay, yeah. We throw a uh, uh, oh gosh, what is it called? It's a, a little uh, little little George. Yeah, little George. Yeah, little George's. Yeah, a little George's. You know, got. <laughs> about a one ounce solid lead chunk with a little spinner on the back of it, a triple hook, you right. know, but that sap sucker will catch white bass. Yeah, um, that's cool. But that we use a lot of that, uh, a lot of live crawfish. I mean, if you around here, if you want to catch white <laughs> bass, that live crawfish, but we catch them schooling a lot. Yeah. And so schooling, I, I'm throwing most of the time a spinner bait, Adam, an old H&H, yelling black H&H, for some reason, just they can't resist it. Uh, or an orange and uh, orange and yellow uh, H&H uh, with the willow leaf spinners. They just they just can't resist it for some reason. Uh, we throw that at them. Maybe a, maybe a little top water action of some kind. Yeah, Tiny George Peter yeah. or uh, something like that, something smaller. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, just uh, a lot of times I'll throw a uh, a fluke, one of those little, the small, uh, what is it, three-inch oh, yeah. fluke at them, and uh, just they go nuts over that, too. A little shad colored, a little dark belly with a silver side. Uh, oh, sure. They go nuts over that, too. But as far as, you know, spoons or, or anything, you know, I just really haven't, Really haven't ever had the opportunity. I've never been with someone that knew how to do that and knew where to go do it. So, you know, I I would love one of these days to go and, well, and do yeah. something like that because I'm another one of those weirdos. I like eating the white bass. I do, too. I clean the ones that we got from the fish along with the gas burger and threw them all in the same bag. But... Yeah, I mean they they're they're not they're not bad to eat if they're cleaned right, and I mean you know, as long as you get that bloodline out and that kind of stuff. And we went with a guy, and I talk about this every once in a while on the show. Uh, uh, Adam uh, Royce and Adam Simmons out of Gone Fishing uh, Guide Service out of uh, Lake Richland Chambers. Those guys can yeah. slay some white bass, and right now they're making a killing out there. As far as the they're off the water by like noon. You know, we were off the water by 9 a.m. Uh, we limited out by 9 a.m. The last time I went with him for uh, for that. And what he does is about a foot above the slab, he'll put a jig, like a Mirabu-style jig, and they'll hit both. Yeah. 
I just drag it through that school and you don't even have to fish. Yeah. I mean, it just, it, it won't even make it to the bottom before they hit the dang, the dang lures. And, uh, it's just, that, that was one of the most memorable times for white bass for me I've ever had. And I enjoyed that with my son and my father-in-law, which is really a, a great, uh, you know, thing. And you got guys like Lake Texoma's known for striped bass and white bass, uh, Schreiber express. You got Bill Carey over there and Chris Carey and that whole team. Um, you know, they live off of artificial baits on that lake. They don't fish live bait, uh, off of that lake and that particular, that particular guide service. And so there's a lot of opportunities there. And this is a great time of year. I mean, for getting something like that done, getting your kids outdoors too, for sure. Like you were saying. Well, you know, here on the Sabine coming out of Toledo Bend, um, in the spring of the year, early spring, uh, late February, early March, we have a huge spawning run up the river. Yep. And, you know, when I can remember the first white bass I ever saw on the river. You know, prior to about 1980, uh, 82, I fished that river my entire life. So is my father. Never saw white bass, never saw sand bass in that river. So it's like they just showed up one day. And we started just catching them, but. The thing was, there was no limit on them at that time. You know, you could catch as many as you wanted. And I, I kid you not, I have sat on a sandbar with my a couple of friends and literally caught 200 to 250 in a day's time. <laughs> That's crazy. And, and, and we were, we were, you know, back then we were keeping them. And uh, what we would do is we would fillet them. Right. And we would take the heads and the guts and we'd put them in our hog traps. <laughs> and we were, we were catching hogs with the heads and the guts and everything. And we were filleting them and everybody's like, Oh, you can't eat them things. They're nasty. Well, they weren't filleting them right. We got to just experimenting with our flaying methods with the electric knives and learned that if, you know, you fillet them just right with that electric knife, you can fillet that red bloodline right, right out of them yep. you don't have to do a secondary fillet um you can just fillet that right out of there and i'm gonna tell you what once that's filleted out of there i don't use uh on my sand bass i don't use a cornmeal coating i use a flour an all-purpose flour kind of like how you do gar mix, mix like, my like with uh, beer. flour just like i would my meal with my red pepper and my oh, salt okay. and everything and then I dredge my fish in egg, then flour, then egg again, then flour again, then drop it in that grease. And when that when that flour turns just a golden brown, you talk about the best tasting sand bash you ever eat. It's kind of like I, I I guess I'm not saying that it's kind of like chicken frying the fish in a way, right? Am I saying that right? It is. It is just like okay. chicken frying. Okay. You do it. The only difference in it is the seasonings you put in there. Right. In in with it, you know, I, I use like a a, a good. Uh, actually, what I use is a Zatarain's uh, crawfish boil. I thought you'd be a Texjoy guy my myself, since you're a Southeast Texas guy. I thought you'd be a Texjoy guy for sure. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I am a. <laughs> my mother. Guy. My mother was born in Louisiana. Okay. My okay. wife's whole family is Cajun, just about it, um, from Orange Bridge City uh, to Lake Charles, Sulphur, Hackberry. That's where her family's from. So uh, 
I'm I'm Cajun. I may have been born in Texas, but I got that Cajun roots all that around me. Cajun and, roots. And then that Zatarans, you just you put a couple of good pinches of the crab actual crab oil, not okay. the, the seasoning that you can buy that you shake on food. Right. But the actual big bottle boil of uh, itself. Yeah. container of crab and crawfish bowl and use that to season your <laughs> either your fish meal or your flour and it just tastes so much better. Wow, that's awesome, dude. That is so cool. And that that's really a unique way to, to do it. But it, it is reminds me and reminds me of a story that uh Max um Milam told me uh fishing with uh guide service uh striper fever at a lake belt uh Lake Buchanan uh several several years ago. It's been well over ten years ago, uh with some friends. He uh he had a, a college, he was you know, in college back then and uh he's now one of their head guides over there and he was basically going back and forth with, you know, he had a friend that didn't want to eat fish at all. And he was a farm boy. And he said, man, he said, I chicken fried the fish. And he said he never put it down. He said he ate the, all every bit of it that he had made that he chicken fried the fish. So I, I, I just kind of that made me think of that story, you know. So that's how he made it, you know, palatable to the farm boy. you know. <laughs> so. Absolutely. You know, I'm not, a, I'm not scared on my fish to try something. Yeah, and when sure. you catch a lot of sand bass and stuff like that, you got a lot of fish. You're and just like with your Gasper goo, certain times of year in that river, them goo are running, right? And you can go down there and catch twenty pounders all day long. <laughs> and you take those those couple of those twenty pound goo, and you know flay them up, experiment with them, season them up a little bit different. Yep. You know, if you wanted to try something, try it. You want to grill it, grill it. You know, use a fish like that that is not an expensive fish, and it's not something that, man, if you mess it up, you're going to just kick yourself in the yeah. tail end. Um, and give it a try. You know, I really I, – I love experimenting with wild game. I in which, you know, I, I wrote a book here last year, uh, Texas Jack's Wild Game and, and Venison Cookbook, because uh, I'm Texas Jack. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that. Uh <laughs> Over uh, writing the Texas Jack cookbooks uh, with a friend of mine, Dennis Waller, uh, a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, that's how I got to be able to do that, to write an actual cookbook, is because I wasn't afraid of experimenting and trying things. And if it tasted good, I'd shove it in somebody else's mouth and say, man, taste of this. And they're like, wow, that's great. Yeah. You know, my wife mostly is who was the guinea pig on a lot of those recipes. Um, but if three or four people say, man, this is the best I've ever eaten, then, you know, you've, you've made yourself a recipe Yep. and you can keep going, uh, carp. A lot of people won't eat carp, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm one of those people <laughs> and, um, uh, I've tried carp several ways and found one or two that they were okay to eat, but they're not. So they make great catfish bait, cut bait, some of the best, yeah. but Buffalo, if you get a if you get a, a buffalo, smallmouth buffalo or, or black buffalo, um, my biggest uh, buffalo right now is sixty three pounds, bow fishing. Um, but I fry those up. But buffalo ribs are some of the best eating you can get. <laughs> Marty, my bow fishing guide here in Central Texas, loves bu- buffalo ribs, and to me they're just too oily. It, it, it's it's oilier than salmon, you know. 
and I'm used to salmon being oily. And I love to eat salmon, but I, I, I just, it's too much fat, you know, for me. And I love to eat a lot of stuff. A lot of people don't like to eat, but I'm not a fan, but that's cool. I mean, I think that's good. That you do <laughs> different strokes. Well, what I do to mine, what I do to mine is I like to take mine and I put them in a pot and boil them. Parboil oh, them, parboil them okay. for about, about two to three minutes on a good hard rolling bowl and then pull them out because you don't want them where they fall off the bone done. That right. will boil about 80% of that oil out of them. Interesting. Then you set them, to the, set them to the side and let them cool. Once they're cool, then I like to take them and I will do uh, an egg batter, basically. put Dip them in egg and then the, the whole flour or cornmeal, whichever one you prefer. And then fry them up. Chicken fry. You get rid of about 80% of the oil. You get rid of about 80% of that oily taste. Okay, that's good to know. I may try that then. Next big buffalo I get. But, uh, yeah. I don't like a buffalo. I don't like a buffalo over about five to 10 pounds. Okay. Because well, I was always thinking all he would use was the big, the big ones. And I'm just like, I'm out. You know, but I mean, different strokes, I guess. Big, they're just, they're like anything. It's just like me when I when I catch a say I catch a 70 80 pound catfish. Right. I turn it loose. Right. Same I don't need it. It's bad. Yeah. Plus that fish is going to produce a million eggs next yeah, year. Absolutely. That's so, a matriarch of the sport for sure. You know, I keep my 2 pounders, my 4 pounders up to about up to about 20 pounds I'll keep in a catfish. But once they get over about 20 pounds, I turn them loose. Yeah. We're the same way with our fishing ministry and the other catfishing that I do outside of that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, unless it's it's mortally injured and isn't going to make it. In that case, you can right. get you some well, catfish and I'll get Or get it in a gill or something. Right. Yeah, right. you got to do We've had that problem too. But I mean, it's only in those cases that we keep those typically. And the first catfish video I ever did, I, I showed them pulling them up for pictures, pulling the big catfish that we tie off to the dock for picture. And I didn't put anything in it about us releasing them. And I had one guy got real angry with me on my YouTube channel. And he was like, release those big cat. We did. So I went through and re-edited the video showing that we actually released an actually video of shots of us releasing the video, the catfish. So anyway, you know, and, and I hate it when people get sideways like that on no, uh, did. YouTube or on Facebook on, on a comment on a post or something, because, uh, you know, the thing is this. If you're legal with what you're doing, yes, I may or may not like it, but as far as me chastising you and telling you, oh, you're, you're a bad human being because you did that, hold up. Yep. It's not, it's legal. And you were within your bag limit. You were within every legal deal. So... I, I just, I don't feel the need. I used to be one of those warriors that was doing that but now i don't i've changed my mind yeah we have enough enemies outside of the hunting and fishing community we have people that are trying to tear us down trying to get rid of us trying to outlaw us trying to do everything we don't need to be tearing each other down if you want to do something send somebody a private message or something like that maybe but as far as chastising openly and being some kind of a superhero on uh, social media I just think that's the wrong thing for us as outdoorsmen to do unless we see someone breaking a law or just really being unethical or unsafe. 
that was all about my article in the Lone Star Bowhunters Association magazine that I did just came out. Uh, and anybody can can email me or write me through DustinsProducts.com and get a copy of it. I've got several copies left over, but uh, and I'll send you one too, Jeff. Just send me your address later. Great. Uh, it's a, I put the whole magazine together. I edited the whole thing. I had it published, had it designed and everything. And uh, that's kind of one of my volunteer things that I did this year. And that was a life-sucking opportunity, too. Because the design company, everything that I used in the magazine, you know, Texas Fishing Game, is so on top of it and everything like that. The company we use for that, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, it's pulling teeth. But I got it done. And, it, it, and I think I'm going to upset some people because I'm part of two bow hunting organizations. Lone Star Bow Hunters Association which is pretty big. And then the Hill Country Bow Hunters, which is more uh, regional to the to the Liberty Hill and Central Texas area that I live in. And we had a guy that wanted to shoot a, a, a vertical bow. I don't know if you've ever seen it. a vertical crossbow. Okay, yeah. I don't know if you've ever mm -hmm. heard of it. They're made by the same folks that make draw lock. And so I, I yeah. they asked me to come uh, in. Hickory, and, Hickory Creek. Hickory right? Creek. Yeah, yeah, you got it, dude. You're on it. Yeah. So uh, I didn't know if many people knew that, but draw lock made Hickory, you know, Hickory Creek made draw lock too. I asked the guys, the other officers there, would y'all be anti a draw lock? They didn't know what a damn draw lock was. I'm like, if you mm -hmm. watch videos, you know, hunting shows 10 years ago, that that's a no brain. But anyway, but I said, guys, look at it like this. I said, we have enough enemies. One of the guys that was, was for this whole deal, like I was, cause I'm a big crossbow guy, you know, was like, well, Hey, he's, he's not shooting. He's shooting standard size arrows are a little bit shorter than standard size arrows. Not any thicker. They're not like crossbow bolts. It shoots more like a bow than it does a crossbow. Well, they had me in to do a, a class on crossbows. And I, I brought up the point. I said, guys, what if one of you is disabled and couldn't pull a bow back anymore? Do you just say, sorry, you can't shoot here anymore? Or are you going to open your arms and say, we'd love to have you shoot a crossbow on the course? And it made them all think that this is about the greater good. Of being it's, an outdoors, it's definitely the greater good. You see, you know, my point? I used to be one of those guys that was, you know, down on crossbows. Or, you know, crossbow—that's a bow gun, and right. all of those cliche things. You know that that us people, uh, bow hunters, say when they're uneducated. But then, you know, I had one of my bow hunting mentors when I was young, a lot younger, and had this kind of feeling about crossbows. Chip on your shoulder, and he sat of, me yeah. down. He sat me down one day, and he's like. So, you don't like crossbows, but you like compound bows. Well, what about the guy that likes a recurve bow, but thinks that a guy that shoots a compound bow with all its gadgets and all its sights and all of that is cheating? Yep, they're if training a wheels. Cheating is a compound bow not cheating? Right. Well, the uh, long bow guy thinks that the guy with the recurve bow with its uh, center shot shelf and all of that kind of stuff yep. is cheating. The guy that's shooting cedar arrows thinks the guy with aluminum arrows and the guy with aluminum arrows thinks the guy with the carbon arrows is cheating and feather fletches. And, you know, when we're talking about archery, we're talking about so much technology change. We're talking about so sure. many different bows, so many different things that we can't be discriminatory toward one another anymore. No. They, we have enough enemies outside of it as it is. And that was uh, that was Paul Kimball's uh, thought. He's one of the officers with me that he says, guys, we have enough people against us as it is. We don't need more within our group. And, I mean, it right. made them think when I brought up, what if it was you? Because this guy that brought this vertical crossbow couldn't pull back a traditional crossbow anymore, or a traditional compound bow. 
And 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 I I just brought up. I said, guys, what if it was you? What if you were that guy? And one day it might be you when you're 65, like my dad is, and can't can't draw back a, a traditional bow, a traditional compound recurve, uh, longbow, whatever. Um, you know, or if what, you're like me and suffer from uh, psoriatic and rheumatoid arthritis, yeah. And I've been a bow shooter my whole life, and sit here with a nice, wonderful. 350 feet per second Hoyt bow sitting in my room that I can't shoot any longer because I can't pull it back yeah. comfortably. Right. So I had to go to a crossbow in order to get out there and still be able to enjoy bow hunting and still be able to get into the woods. You know, I bought a uh, recurve bow, yeah. a recurve crossbow. crossbow. You know, I mean, right. this thing is, is a nice, nice bow, but it's nothing super fancy. Um, and all of a sudden, I'm starting to get these people that are seeing pictures of me with this. Well, what happened to you shooting the bow? Thought you were a you know compound bow man and blah, blah, blah. I thought crossbows were this and that and all that. And you're cheating now and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you really don't know that uh, I can't pull that compound bow back and get out of my yard and practice anymore. Yeah. I mean, I could pull it back one time in the stand to shoot a deer. And that's it. But I'm not able to get out and my yard and shoot a hundred times a week in order to practice and, and stay good because i mean a compound bow you just don't pick it up once a year and go shoot a deer like you yeah. do a rifle. you gotta practice with it yep yeah so you know i'm able now to take this crossbow that i bought and i'm able to go and sit in a stand and i'm able to bow hunt early season and enjoy being in the woods and whether i kill anything or not is beside the point i'm able to get out there and legally be in my stand a month prior to when I would normally be able to be out there. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the whole, I mean, I was just on Chester's show, Chester Moore's show, like I was saying, and we, we were just saying, once you begin to lose the, the thought of what's out there, of what is drawing you to hunting and fishing, that, that heart thumping when the when the uh, the white bass grabs your slab, when when, when that, that hog walks in to your corn, you know, whatever the case yeah. may be, there's nothing like there's not a drug on this planet that can that can touch that in my opinion and you know there, there's I, no natural I wrote a poem like that. whenever i was uh i don't know 15 16 i don't remember how old i was and it was called 20 yards of heaven <laughs> and it was all about sitting in my boat stand and the 20 yards between me and my feeder that was 20 yards of heaven to me yeah Getting in that stand before uh, the sun came up and smelling those smells of that uh, autumn forest and sure. smelling the pine, smelling the oak, smelling the, the swamp, you know, even um, and and sitting there and hearing the, the little guinea wrens in the leaves that sound like they weigh 350 pounds, even though they weigh an ounce. Yep. Or the cat squirrel gray squirrel as most people call them but we call them cat squirrel the cat squirrels in the leaves and you would think that a rhinoceros was coming in and you look over there and it's a little cat squirrel a little gray squirrel searching for for hickory nuts or something yeah and you know you get to sit there that's heaven to me that is that is when i sit there and i'm like going wow and if i ever lose that i'm gonna quit hunting yeah i'm too when that buck comes in, I don't care if it is a fawn with spots, got two little nubs on the top of his head. I'm never going to shoot him. 
but my heart gets in my throat and starts sitting there and just pounding like like two fellas beating me in the throat with a hammer. Yep. And just to watch it. I'm just sweaty and nervous and oh my gosh. And it's nothing but a phone out there at 20 yards or 30 or 40 or 100, whatever it is. And I've always told my wife and I've told everybody, if I ever quit getting butt fever, if I ever quit getting that excited yeah. every time I hear or see or smell something, hear a butt grunt 100 yards down through the, the hardwood flat, you know, yeah. whatever, I'm going to quit hunting. That's solid. I agree. And, and there's just, there's nothing on this planet that, that is, is, is a sport you can engage in for recreation, for, uh, for meat, for, you know, whatever the case may be that, that touches hunting and fishing in the great outdoors, you know, what it has to offer. And I mean, that's just one thing I think that we need to share with those that don't appreciate the sport as much or that don't that don't honor what we do in the outdoors because we are the reason why the outdoors is what it is as hunters and fishermen our hunting license our conservation efforts the organizations out there and i promoted on here with jeremy beeston a few shows ago the backcountry hunters and anglers we just donated a hunt uh that a that a youth one for db hunting ranch so one of the ranches i do marketing for here in central texas and he won an access doe hunt that we uh the, the ranch partially sponsored and uh it's just one of those things that you know J when jeremy and i were talking about that that's one organization that does a lot as far as public land you know access and rights and stuff like that goes uh and his his show cast blast grill chill big shout out to him and trevor um do uh do, do a great job of of talking about public land you know, and stuff like that, which in your neck of the woods, that's where a lot of the public land in Texas exists. Where, I mean, we're, we've got the Davy Crockett National yep. Forest. We've got Sam the Houston. Sam Houston National Forest. Uh, we've got a ton of what is called uh, Type 2 uh, hunting lands. You can buy your Type 2 permit for like 40 some odd dollars. And there is a there are just hundreds of thousands of acres all up and down the Sabine River that... Uh, our, our public hunting lands right right no, I, I think that's great i mean and then one of the things before we close out because we've been going for over an hour uh chester and i talked about on his show is sanctuary hogs and how states i talked about this in the last podcast there's states municipalities national forest land stuff like that that don't allow hunting for hogs at night in a lot of cases some states don't allow uh, areas uh, within states don't allow hunting for feral hogs at all and I'm just like, you want a problem to prolificate itself, if that's even a word? Um, you know, if you want a problem to prolificate and, and continue to be a, an issue, just don't do anything about it. Because that's the problem we had in Texas with our feral hog problem, you know. I don't think we did enough well, early enough for it. That is that is a great, uh, a great statement because, you know, I always – I find it ironic because you've got all of these educated people, so to speak, that want to throw poison yes. into our ecosystem. They want to throw poison out there to kill deer, to kill hogs. To you know, it's not just going to target a hog. Nope. This is poison. Half it's going to kill raccoons. It's going to kill possums. It's going to kill coyotes. It's going to kill eagles, yep. owls. Everything that it touches is going to get in the water for you to drink. Yeah, uh, yada yada yada. Clean water that, is like, you know, but anti -hunting. at the same time, these these politicians don't want to open a certain piece of property, a right. certain land up, so that hunters can go in legally and 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 
without incident, go in there and hunt and kill. Whether they even just allow you to go in there and bow hunt them, whether they allow you to go in there and trap them, whether they allow you to go in there and shoot them with a gun, doesn't really matter. They need to open it up and at, at least allow people to go in there and kill some of these hogs. If not, they're going to lay up in those sanctuary woods yep. and they're going to breed. And whenever the those woods get overran and the food sources get low, they're coming out onto Farmer Johnson's hay meadow oh, and yeah. they're going to root it all to pieces. They're going to they're gonna have a field day on that stuff for sure. I mean, you just look at the damage they do at any given place. I mean, it's amazing. But, you know, my whole point with all that is that, you know, hunting is the solution to a lot of that problem. It's not necessarily – and, I mean, if everybody does their part and, and kills those hogs and everybody – you know, even if you had to pay in some cases to get it done, as far as people's land and not, you know, insurance and landowners, you know, uh, concerns and stuff like that. I mean, it's still all for the greater good. And that's what I've always been about on this show is just all for the, you know, the greater good it's of the true. environment and everything else. It's definitely for the greater good. You know, Chester and I, we talked about this the last one of the last times I was on his show yep. when we were talking about hogs, is the fact that, you know, I, I've, I helped with the uh, Texas Hog Hunters Association getting – uh, legislation passed that we stopped the warfarin from being used I know you and did. stuff. I That's was why I brought really that up. <laughs> forefront an of that with some of those guys and, that, and helping. Yeah. Right. Um, but what we run into is whenever I go out here, I, I've done a lot of hog eradication, and I go out here and I talk to these guys that own land. They're saying, "Oh, the hogs are eating up my my fields, my hay meadows, and ruining my tractors." Well, I'll come on your property and kill those hogs. Oh no, we charge two hundred dollars a day <laughs> for people to come shoot hogs, and I'm like, "Well, wait a minute." <laughs> thought you said you had a hog problem. If you're charging people, if, if those hogs are a commodity that you are selling, then yes. you don't have a problem with them. Right. Or, and I brought, I bring this up every time we talk about hogs. There's that one ranch, and I will not name any names here, but they make this big deal about come, we're overrun with hogs, but then they charge you by the freaking pound to clean them yeah. on the green weight. You know who I'm talking yeah. about. I'm not going to mention any yeah. names, but I'm Absolutely. just like that. That that is not the. And the thing is, they have great reviews on Google and places like that. If you look into them, because they have enough out of staters that they dupe with that, that, that that they just keep on replacing people because they keep on running Google ads uh, and replacing people, and and the bad news doesn't travel fast enough. And I'm just like, man, like like one of the guys that I work with in the hunting industry was saying, well, I had a friend that just said he won a hog hunt from this place, and I said, buddy, you didn't win nothing. You know, that's going to cost you about. 600 bucks when you're done with it you know yeah. so i mean you, that's how they get you in the door yeah they, you've won I, i've won hunts from places before where uh won a deer hunt one time uh was gonna actually go to this place but then they told me i could stay in the bunkhouse i could do all of that but when i killed something they were going to charge me <laughs> per inch of antler certain amount of money per inch of antler i could kill a coba a spike or I could kill a trophy buck uh, but i had to pay per inch of antler it you're was, looking for I the mean, smallest I one out there and killed 160 inch deer we're talking if this was gonna the hunt was gonna cost me thousands of dollars yeah yeah Oh my gosh. You know, it's just, it's just, if you've got a, if you're overrun with stuff, you know, don't make it, uh, you know, about your profitability. I mean, that's, that's the thing. And again, I work with a high fence hunting ranch that, that handles hogs and stuff like that. But I mean, you know, I, the pricing for that is, is reflective of, we don't have a problem with them. We stock them in that ranch to hunt them. 
You know, there's not I just a, like honesty. Yeah, and I do too. That's the whole point of this. A place Absolutely. that you represent, and you tell me, Jeff, you come on this hunt. Here's the price. Yep. It's going to cost you this much, and everything is disclosed to me up front. And I say yes, and I come. I have no surprises, and I have nothing to complain about. I know it's transparency, and I've written that article back in 2016 about the top ten things to look for in your next outfitter and guide. I know I bring that up on the show a lot, but those are some good points when you're looking for a big African trip, when you're looking for a Canadian, you know, trip with tours in Saskatchewan or something like that. If you're going on a on a, a Texas hog hunting trip, I mean, these are good questions to ask, and I'll try to put those in the show notes again, the links to that because I did a podcast and uh and a uh, an article pretty long article about that about the ten, top 10 things to look for in your your next hunting and outfitter and guide because you know it's just i don't know i'm, I'm just i'm rambling now because it's getting late but i just think well, that it's that it's important I to want a black uh, look buck. At we're gonna have to put that together one day yeah i, I want to I've, I've killed one in my lifetime a on a, a ranch in sabinal that was a wild free-ranging one Yep. Um, that was an accident because he got under my feeder. But uh, <laughs> I, I really want to go get one with my bow somewhere. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Black bucks are. And the thing is, the three most prolific. I talked about this in the show before when I did. Um, I think I called it Axis Psycha, uh, Fallow Oh My, or it was one of those things. Anyway, the, all the exotics about Texas. Uh, the three most prolific free ranging exotics is uh gonna be your axis deer because there's thousands of them people have no idea how many exist especially in rock springs and junction and areas like that out west i've even i've seen axis deer here where i'm at in east texas roaming wild it, it's because i you know one of the things that i do and everybody listening to the show knows this i i, I deal in the trade in exotic of trapping and relocating and selling to ranches and stuff like that to stock them in their ranch uh stockmyranch.com in case anybody want to check that out but uh uh, shameless plug uh you've got axis you've got black buck and you've got audad that run free ranging pretty pretty prolifically and um and then when people put them in high fences they multiply like kittens you know so uh, <laughs> ample 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 hunting opportunities is my point there and well they've uh, got some of the best tasting meat oh yeah and they've got the most beautiful pelt of yes. any animal i've ever skinned in my life and ever seen in my life yeah, the horns. Eh, I'm not. They're, they're they're beautiful and everything. Not really that crazy. I mean, because they're just straight, sticking up, spirally yeah, spiral like horns. little horns. Yeah. But their their coat is so beautiful, and their meat is. I, I mean, because a lot of people don't realize how small they are. Yeah. There's yeah, not a whole small. lot there. Yeah. But, but what is they is good. Are delicious. <laughs> yeah, it's like access meat, really. It's really well, they're both from India, so you know, and and that's the other thing I was gonna say before we close out, because I know we've been going for over an hour, but um <laughs> the uh the, I love when you and I do these shows. This is great. Um but I cleaned a, an access deer that had a um uh what do you call it, a metis demise on on one of our trailers on the live sale business, uh broke her neck. And uh, trying to jump out of the trailer, basically, it it just was one of those things where it was just kind of a, a mishap and it happened, and, and so it wasn't a hunted animal. But either way, it's an exotic, so it's not that big of a deal. But I cleaned it, skinned it, did everything like that. If God ever made a meat for people to eat and an animal for people to consume, it would have been the axis deer because they have not as much bone and lots of meat. And I've never yeah. seen one built like that because I haven't cleaned too many of them before and actually processed them down to the bones and everything. And I'm just like, man, and that meat, that whole thing you get chicken fry, man. The toughest parts of it are tender, you know. And so that's the reason why I think that's that's such a good meat to eat too. So anyway. <laughs> 
So Jeff, uh, tell people how they can find you in social and how people um, can um, can connect with you with Alpha Dog and, and, and everything else you do. Easiest place to get a hold of me, you can get through Facebook, uh, Jeff Crypto Hulk Stewart. Uh, I have a professional writer page. Also, uh, Alpha Dog Blades is my knife making business. Uh, you can catch me there. Instagram, I'm the real Jeff Stewart. Uh, my my goodness, uh, <laughs> just about any social media, you type in my name, and and you're gonna lots of things are gonna pop up. Whether you're into cryptozoology, hunting, fishing trapping, tracking, going and rescuing people that are uh, sitting on their roofs in the middle of hurricanes, whatever. I'm there. <laughs> You're one of the key people part of the, uh, was it the Cajun Navy or was it your own thing? Cajun Navy Foundation. Cajun Navy Foundation. Uh, yeah. There's a Cajun Navy 2016. We're not part of that. Uh, this is the Cajun Navy Foundation. We're kind of like the group split there. Okay. Uh, so I'm with the Cajun Navy Foundation. I uh, also have uh, uh Sunshine Shoulders uh, Rescue, Domestic and Wild Animal Rescue. And so we uh, we rescue dogs. Most of the time it's uh, special needs uh, animals, dogs, cats, things like that, raccoons, possums, owls. <laughs> I have uh, rehabilitated raptors for the state. Uh, you name it, uh, most of the time game wardens around here know my number to call me and say man i got the weirdest thing <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome uh as far as your uh, your book can you tell people where they can get that the uh the i forget what you call it again the jack um texas, texas jack, jack texas jack uh, wild game and venison cookbook can be ordered directly through me on uh my facebook page okay. uh my professional page jeff stewart writer and uh, cryptozoologist or it can be purchased on Amazon. Oh, cool. Um, but if you get it on Amazon, you don't get a personally signed autographed copy. And when I send out a book for me personally, sign it, autograph it, write a little something in there, and you generally get uh, a bookmark, uh, one of my business cards with my picture and everything on it oh. for a bookmark. And um, you know, they can get T-shirts through me and just all kinds of stuff. Cool. That's awesome, man. That's great. I forgot you did. I just wanted to, 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 to talk about that. Cause the last time we were on the show, you were just getting that book in and I just wanted yes. to at least throw that out there because that's, that's gotta be a great, I cannot wait to get my hands on that copy. Well, also have uh, wood knocks volume two, which is a cryptozoological book about uh, uh, the legend of Bigfoot and now just finished wood knocks volume four. Um, which it is all uh, a, coll a collection of articles, stories by the top people in the field of cryptozoology. And I am lucky to be considered one of the top people in the field of cryptozoology these days. So That's awesome. um, I know a lot of people scoff at Bigfoot and things like that, but you know, there's a lot of animals that were once thought to be legendary and mystical. The, the mountain gorilla, right. you know, the playing ox just, uh, giant squid, all of those things were once thought to be uh, uh, cryptid creatures, but now have been proven to be real. Ah, that's great. I love having you on the show, Jeff. Thanks so much for joining us, man. It's always a pleasure, and I cannot wait to come back and we spend another hour and a half talking about everything. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen, after like an hour and 15 minutes of talking <laughs> with yours truly. I love Jeff Stewart. What a guy. Um, 
you know, just a great heart for conservation for kids, for uh, for the the future of the sport, for um, just 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 the love of the great outdoors. I mean, it, it's it's not hard to find a guy like that, but to find a guy that's as well spoken as Jeff is, and to find a guy that has um, those kind of values and uh, cares about animals and wildlife as much as he do he he do as much as he does um i just uh i just love that guy so uh great guy uh, you can check him out again all the information on how to find him alpha dog blades and all of his other stuff is going to be in the show notes you'll be able to check all that out as well as links to articles links to uh products that i've uh reviewed and things that we talked about on the show all in the show notes as well you can check about that on the description and elsewhere and um really good stuff so if you've not done so already i say this every show so i apologize for jeremy and orlando and the rest of you guys that listen to the show every single podcast um please if you've not done so already sign up for our newsletter there are three they come in a week uh tactical practical tuesday wildlife wednesday thursday texas state of the outdoor nation um we also have typically on mondays and fridays special emails that we send out and we're doing a bunch of those this summer with different product uh sponsors that are doing um email blast with us we just had some stuff from PowerPole that went live this week we've got some other stuff from um you know a bunch of other companies johnson honey hummingbird uh Minkota, you know all, all kinds of different uh um sponsors that the sponsor our stuff hobie uh for kayaks um i'm trying to think who else um but anyway it, it's just really cool stuff so uh stay tuned for that on mondays and fridays and then tuesday wednesday thursday we have the regular newsletters a lot of great newsletters uh two stories in each tuesday and wednesday and then thursday we have the texas state of the outdoor nation which is all of the different stuff from um tuesday wednesday thursday and then thursday has its own set of stories and basically all of tuesday and wednesday sort of stories so anyway this is really cool stuff all right so thank you guys so much for tuning in i really appreciate you guys again if you're not done so please subscribe to this podcast it is free you get a new one every two weeks you get to listen to me ramble on at 11 o'clock at night 11 30 now uh at night about um you know different things about the outdoors when i run solo shows and then you'll hear me do the, a lot of stuff at icast hopefully everything goes well with getting all that set up but that's that's what we plan for our next shows is the icast shows which will be the following week after after this week you hear this one it should be iCast I don't know what's planned for that yet it's kind of good we kind of just show up and set up the microphone and just hit hit record and and do what we do but Cal will be there Cal Gonzalez you know who I've had on the show several times uh, I've got Chester Moore will be there we'll probably be doing some late night shows there and releasing them while we're at the show and just really fun stuff what I like to do with these these shows guys is just cover you know things that are going to be of value to you as a fisherman things are going to help you hunt and fish better in the outdoors every time i do a show that's what it's all about is bringing you that kind of stuff and uh, things that are just going to be add value to you that's what i'm all about is adding value to you so you have your best life now in the outdoors that's really what i'm about um and i hope i've done that for you guys that have been hardcore listeners since the beginning i, I know some of you guys have come up to me at shows and um all kinds of different you know opportunities that you've that you've uh, seen me in public and, and said that to me, you know, some of you guys that listen to the show, I've taken out to lunch. Some of you guys I've seen at, uh, at trade shows and conventions and, uh, and, um, you know, consumer shows and stuff like that. And it just means the world to me to just, if you drop me a line, if you find me on Facebook, uh, I'm easy to find there. Dustinsprojects.com online, uh, for my, uh, personal email address and phone numbers, even on there too. You can give me a call or send me a text message. 
I just love hearing back from you guys because this show's a labor of love for me. Um, you know, we have sponsors and stuff for it and everything, but I it's I do it all by myself, everything. And, um, you know, the show notes, the production, all that stuff. And for me to just be able to connect with you and be able to share this with you and, and add value to your life is just is what, it, what it's all about for me. And, um, you know, that's one reason why I do it and why I keep doing it. And, um, you know, like I said, if you've not done so already, check out Chester's podcast uh, or his, his radio show gets turned into a podcast every week. More Outdoors, KLVI, 560 AM, I think it is. Uh, out of Beaumont, Texas, and um, I've, you can find his shows Chester Moore M O O R E on um, iHeartRadio, and uh, he has an iHeartRadio station that basically plays all of his podcasts. When the one coming up, I believe, uh, the same week that this podcast releases is the one that we're going to be doing together because he had a, a, an issue where he had to do a pre-recorded show. So I've got three segments on there with him about exotics and the outdoors and hunting hogs and all kinds of different stuff. Kind of like what, Chester, uh, what Jeff and I talked about on this podcast, but more in depth with Chester's ideas and wildlife expertise and everything like that, which is really cool. So without further ado, thank you guys so much for watching, reading, and listening. Have an awesome day in the outdoors. We'll see you next time.